Hey, Realtors, this is Eric Piguero, and in this episode, we're talking to our friend Linda, the tax lady, about how the 2018 tax laws will affect your tax returns this year. Stay tuned. Well, it's about that time of the year again where we're talking about preparation for taxes and thinking about other things that we need to do in order to make sure that we get or better yet, maximize our tax returns. And who better to talk to than Linda, the tax lady? Linda, how are you? I'm wonderful, Eric. Thank you. We're going to have fun today talking about the new laws. You know, Linda, and I, and I keep saying Linda, the tax lady, because that's what everybody knows you as, but Linda the Maller is your full name. That's correct. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I teach the continuing education for uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, Real Estate Commission, and of course, I teach here at GCAR. You're a teacher at GCAR. That's awesome. And, you know, one of the things that I, I like about what you do is that you have a unique perspective on the challenges that we as realtors have when it comes to taxes. Yes, you're our specialty, so we love helping self-employed people. And, of course, this new tax law has a couple of really good things in it that are going to help our self-employed clients, particularly our realtors. How do, let's, let's jump right into it. Tell me, how does that new tax law, because you know it's getting a lot of negative press on, on some stations and positive press on others, but tell us about the positive, especially for us. Excellent, excellent. Let's start off with the good part. The best thing that happened is that self-employed people, whether you're a realtor or not, if they show a profit on their business, they're entitled to take a deduction of 20% of their profit. Now, this is something we've never had before. There's no form on which to put the 20%. So you just have to know that it's going to go on line nine of your tax return. And if you put in the wrong number, they won't give it to you. So this, to, in other words, to get this 20% deduction, you really, really need help from a professional. Because if you put the wrong number or you leave it out, they won't call you up and say, hey, Eric, you're missing your 20% deduction. They won't help me prepare it. That's it right. right. That's would, would you like an example of how it might work? Let's say we have somebody who, who makes $60,000 this year from real estate. And let's just assume that they have $20,000 worth of business deductions. So their net income from real estate would be $40,000. Okay. Now, previously, before 2018 year, they would have to pay tax on the $40,000, of course. Now, this year, they'll take 20% of that 40, which is eight, and they have a new $8,000 deduction this year that they've never had before. And like I say, there's no form on which to put it. So if you miss it, you really miss it. So let me understand this. You're talking that I do my regular deduction, and then on top of that, they give me an additional deduction, so I pay even less Correct. In taxes. Exactly. That now, is awesome. The 20% deduction is based on your net income from real estate. So let's say somebody made $100,000 and they had $30,000 worth of expenses. So their net income from real estate would be $70,000. Well, 20% of $17,000 is a $14,000 deduction you've never had before. That is awesome. I like that. 
I do too. Great way to start Don't the podcast. <laughs> Great way to start the podcast. Is, it, is that all the positive or is there more positive stuff? Ooh, there's some negatives too. But uh, of course now you have to qualify for this and you have to have certain kinds of income and there's some other things. So I, I've made it sound pretty easy. Now there's 20% deduction. It won't save you any social security tax. So whatever you net from real estate, you're still going to owe the 15%, 15.3% social security tax on it unless you net more than 150000 and then it drops a little bit. But there, it's, it's a little more complicated than I made it sound. But for most people, probably for 90% of the people listening to this podcast, their taxable income will go down by one-fifth this year from real estate. Man, because I took a snap picture of my uh, tax forms, and I have line nine already, like, focused <laughs> Don't so leave nine, nine, so line nine blank, please. It's not that easy. Okay, no. <laughs> great. So, yeah, so that's great advice. Definitely talk to your tax professional and plan for that. Yes, you know, they always say if you think hiring a professional is expensive, wait till you hire someone who's not a professional to help you. So, oh, yeah, so if, you, if you hire someone who doesn't know how to do this, um, I, spent, I personally spent 40 hours in classes last fall learning how to implement all of these new laws for our clients. So make sure your tax person specializes in self-employed people and has been keeping up on the new law. That is very important. Thank you for mentioning that. That is very important. Tell me about some of the most overlooked things by realtors, because by nature, at least I really just scan over things. Oh. I don't uh, get detailed into it. Oh, well, one of my favorites is the fact that you can deduct an expense and you don't need to have any receipt for it. Now, I'll give you an example. If you have an expense that's $75 or less, you are allowed to deduct it. It's a business expense, we'll assume, without a receipt. Here's an example. Let's say you're going to an open house this afternoon or maybe on a Sunday, and you stop at the grocery store and you buy some candles or balloons or some something to make the house smell better, some Febreze or something, and you end up buying $40 or $50 worth of supplies for the open house, maybe some bottled water. So you just have to write down somewhere in your iPhone or on a piece of paper, supplies, open house, $60, and the date. Okay, and that's all you need. Now, let's say you get to the open house, and oh my goodness, it's a bit of a mess. The garden's a disaster, or maybe the garage is also a mess. So you hire the little kid next door to come over, and you give him $50, and he cleans up the garage and organizes the lawn and things like that. So he doesn't have a receipt to give you. So you write down $50 paid to the kid next door for my open house on this date. Now, at the end of the day, you've just deducted $50 for the child and $50 maybe $60, that's 110 Each of those occurrences was under $75. So now you have a $110 deduction you can deduct, which I guarantee will save you about 50% in taxes. Now you're looking at me, I know, Eric, you no, say, no, wait no, a minute, I'm, I'm not in the 50% bracket, but you are. Because let's say you're single or married and your taxable income is under, let's say, 30000 38000 if you're single or seventy-seven if you're married. Then you're automatically in approximately the 22% tax bracket. And you also have to pay self-employment tax, right. which is 15%. So 15 and 22, how much is that? 
Come you on. Don't make me do it's, it's 37. Okay. And you pay Maryland tax. Okay. So add 37 and 8. Now we're up to 45%. So if you have a tax deduction of $110, you're going to get back about $50 tax savings on just those two little deductions that you didn't even need to have a receipt for. Wow. A little depressing that I'm in a 50% range, though. Yes, you are. And believe me, if you're married, you're always going to be in that bracket because we do have what's called the marriage penalty tax. You know, each spouse, if they were single, they'd be in a lower tax bracket. But when they get married, the first dollar of one spouse's income gets taxed at the rate of the last top dollar of their spouse's income. So everything for the second spouse is in a higher bracket. So they're probably already going to jump to the 25, 28% bracket. Oh my God, these people stay up at night thinking about these things? Oh, my God. Gosh. Well, it's not fair because they really shouldn't do it that way. In, in many foreign countries, you everybody files their own taxes, whether you're married, single. Yes, that would make it easier. And that's now, a when, whole political <laughs> thing there. But when they put me in charge of IRS, I'll sort that out. Thank you so much. You got my vote. <laughs> One of the biggest fears that I've always had is being audited. I've never been audited, thank God. But uh, being audited is just... At least on TV, it's the scariest thing in the world. Oh, please, please, don't even worry about it. I'm not saying that you should cheat or lie on your taxes, obviously, but their budgets for auditing are very tiny now. Less than one-half of 1% of personal tax returns are audited. Uh, We personally haven't had any of our clients audited in over 20 years. I think the last client I had audited was more than 20 years ago, and he's a lawyer, and he makes $7 million, and they were worried about his boat and his airplane. So they're they're only going after where they can get some money because for them to do an audit it costs the government like five or six thousand dollars so unless they think they can collect that much from you or more they're not going to even bother you they want to go after someone who's got the big bucks with the big deductions so i'm not saying to cheat or lie but i am saying i want you to be aggressive you know deduct the heck out of everything possible you know anything basically that you spend money on that helps you make more money that should be a tax deduction in most cases. Linda, you're just a treasure trove of great news. <laughs> yeah, I know, because I, I do, um, I have lost sleep thinking about audits simply because I'm really bad at tracking miles. I'm really bad at saving receipts. You know, so all those things, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I don't know where that stuff is, you know? Well, try to use the same credit card for all of your business expenses. I do have some clients where they'll use an Amer- one American Express and one Visa card for all their business, and then they have separate account for the things that are personal. That's one way to do it. But as I just told you, if the $75 or less uh, rule is in place, then you don't even need to have a receipt. You just make a notation. And, you know, now thinking back at all the things that I've done in real estate and uh, most of the events and most of the, thing I, most of the things I pay for, are under about 75 bucks. So that's that's really good. That's right. But you need to write it down somewhere on a piece of paper. Oh, the cell phone. Cell phone, yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So, Linda, for those of us who use our homes as a home office, if I'm deducting my home office, right, every year, year after year, good. that I use, and then I turn around and sell my home. No problem. What's the... Okay, before the law was changed in 1999, you would have had to pay tax on the gain on your house. Because before 1999, let's say you, you were using your home, 10% of it was business 
then you would have had to pay tax on 10% of the gain. That law was eliminated in 1999. The new law, I call it the new law, it's been around for a while, um, says that you don't have to pay any tax on the gain when you sell your house. You do have to recapture a tiny bit of depreciation. But let me give you an example. Let's say I do your taxes for the next 10 years, Eric, and I deduct about $3,000 worth of office and home. So in 10 years, I will have deducted $30,000. I will have saved you $15,000 in income tax. At the end of the 10 years, we have to recapture the little tiny bit of depreciation, which is only $300 a year. So $300 a year times 10, that's how much? $3,000. The maximum tax rate on recaptured depreciation is only 25%. So on that $3,000, the most tax you'll have to pay is $750. Plus, if you live in Maryland, it would be another 8%, so that's $240. So I've saved you $15,000 over 10 years. At the end of 10 years, you're going to have to pay $990 tax. After 10 years. Yes. Does that sound like a good deal, Eric? It sounds like a great deal. (laughs) I'll take that deal. Good boy. All right. So let me go back to the spouses because uh, you'd previously mentioned that in our conversation offline, that my medical expenses can be deducted? Absolutely. As a business expense? As a business expense, you are allowed to deduct all of your medical bills for you and your entire family, your spouse and your children, as a business expense. This is a law that was put into effect in 1955. This is not a new law, so if your accountant ever told you, this law was passed originally to help farmers because Congress wanted farmers to be able to be treated like a little company. And if you work for a company, the company usually will pay your health insurance and give you a flexible spending account. So what they did was they passed a law saying that if a husband and wife work together in any endeavor, it could be a mom-and-pop operation, it could be that maybe the wife is the realtor and her husband, who he could be a bank director, he could be working for the government, he could be an architect, it could be anything else. But once in a while during the week, he helps her a little bit with her work. Maybe he pounds signs or he helps her with her... Which they always do. They always do. The spouses always help. So all a wife or the spouse has to do is hire the other spouse, give them a tiny salary, $300 a month, that's all. And then you also give your spouse your... And it's called a medical reimbursement plan. So every once in a while, your spouse comes up to you and says, hey, boss, you know, my husband was expensive. Well, who's the husband? The boss, okay? Uh, He went to the dentist last month, and it was $500, and I have $200 in medical and some insurance and some co-pays or whatever. And so the person who's the realtor will write a check to their spouse as medical reimbursement, that tax is not, that's not taxable. That check goes right into their personal account to pay their medical bills. And that means that every penny they spend on medical insurance, reimbursements, any kind of dental, vision, glasses, anything that's not covered by insurance became a business expense, which saves them federal tax of at least 22 to 25 percent, Social Security tax of 15 percent, and state income tax of, in Maryland, 8.95, in Virginia, it's 5.75, in D.C., it's 8.5 percent. So basically, you get back half of every medical bill you pay. And like I say, it's not a new law. So anybody who has a spouse who helps 
helps them with their work as a realtor can hire their other spouse to help them. Now, if let's say you're single, oh, what happens? You don't have a spouse. It's very simple. We'll have you become a C corporation. Let's say that Mary Jo is a realtor and she's single, then fine, we'll have her be the Mary Jo C corporation. And she says, well, I'm president of my corporation. I think I should have some benefits. As a matter of fact, let me put that in writing. I'm going to deduct my car and my medical bills. Now, Every bill that she gets for insurance or vision or dental is paid for out of the C corporation, right off the top of their income. It's unbelievable. This happens to be the most overlooked tax deduction in the whole tax code for everybody in the United States. This is the one that nobody knows. I've never heard of it. And that's, I mean, you're blowing my mind right now. What can I do today, then, to to start? Okay, well, now, if you're married, you'd want to hire your spouse. If you're single and you want to deduct your medical bills, then you'd want to become a C-corporation. If you haven't been claiming home office expense because you were worried about this big taxable gain when you sold the house, you're allowed to go back three years. Um, I just had a client who had heard me on the radio um, a couple months ago, and we went back and we refiled his last three years' tax returns. He's getting back $14,300 hundred dollars in refunds for the last three years non-taxable money it's his own money and he's so sweet he said he was going to use the money to pay his daughter's college tuition i was so happy (laughs) that is really good to know what else can we do to save money um, well, the best thing to do is to hire a good tax accountant, because if you don't have a good tax accountant this year, you're going to miss the 20% deduction. You'll probably miss the home office expense. And good grief, if you're missing the medical deduction, that's the most overlooked one in, in the whole tax code. Does it have to be a tax accountant, a CPA, or a tax preparer? There's so many people that do taxes. How do you categorize it? Okay. In my opinion, the first thing they need to be is an EA. EA stands for enrolled agent. That means that the person has managed to pass a really tough exam that's given by Internal Revenue Service. And it's countrywide. It's not by the state law. It's the federal law. So an enrolled agent is your first choice. And then, of course, your second choice would be a CPA. But no matter what happens, if you're self-employed, make sure that whoever is doing your tax return has a minimum of 10 years experience doing hundreds of tax returns for self-employed people. Because if you're going to go to someone who doesn't have at least 10 years experience, then I'm sure they're not going to know about the um, hiring your spouse or the home office or, good God forbid, to miss the 20% deduction. Yeah, especially if you're in the 50%. Yes. Every, every realtor that's listening right now, I guarantee you're at least in 22 plus 1537, 45. You're in the 45% if you all you had to do is be single and have taxable income of 38000 or if you're married and have taxable income of 77000 you are in the 45% bracket minimum. And if you're married, it's probably more likely it's 52. So, Linda, let me ask you a question. Is it true that realtors have to pay self-employment tax even if they don't owe federal tax? Absolutely true, unfortunately, because a lot of times the Social Security tax as an investment is not as good as putting money into your solo 401k. But let me just give you an example. Let's go back to the realtor who earns 
$60,000 this year, we'll assume they're single, and we'll assume they had at least $20,000 worth of business deductions. So their net income from real estate is $40,000. On that $40,000, they will definitely have to pay 15.3% tax, which ends up being about $6,000, okay? Now, let's say that this person owns a home, and they have some tax credits they're entitled to claim, and maybe they own a little rental property, so they don't end up owing any federal tax and no state tax, but they're still going to have to pay $6,000 to the Social Security Administration no matter what. Wow, so there's no way of getting around that one, huh? The only deduction that will save Social Security tax are business deductions, which include hiring your spouse so you can deduct all of your medical bills. It also includes claiming your home office expense. These are very important because they lower your Social Security tax. The only way to lower Social Security tax is to have business deductions, personal deductions for your home and rental properties and things like that, contributions to churches and charities. Nothing will save you Social Security tax, only business. Let me ask you, this is uh, probably the final question before we finish up and wrap up. And by the way, thank you so much. There's so much information out here. I'm just sitting here as you're talking, writing stuff down. My paper is full of uh, all the scribbles, as you can see. I can come back anytime. Yeah, yeah no, I'm probably going to have you back. One of the, the other things that really worries me and my wife is our retirement because you know that we are basically on a transactional industry, right? So saving for retirement is really, really a challenge for us. And it's one of the hardest things to do. But this is also good because back in 2001, a new law was passed allowing self-employed people to have what's called a solo 401k. And it works just like a 401k that people have at regular jobs. Um, you're allowed to put money in your solo 401k and you can put in a lot. You can put in 20% of your net income plus another, probably another 20,000, depends on your age, of course. But in any case, you're allowed to borrow from your 401k at any time for any reason. Because many times, realtors, they don't want to put money in, especially if they're only 30 or 40 years old. They say, oh, I don't want to tie that money up till I'm 59 and a half or 72 and a half. So this way, you still have access to the money. I, I, I borrowed money from my solo 401k to buy a rental property to put my children in while they were in college. And it was great. I bought it for 135000 sold it for 235000 So, well, that was after four years. But still, if you have access to the money, you're more apt to put more money in. Now, with no government penalty for taking the money out? No penalty as long as you take it out as a loan. So you're going to have to pay 5% interest to yourself. Right. So it's your own money, it's your own and money. it's making 5%, which is more than the bank will pay. Now, of course, when you put the money in your solo 401k, you can invest it in any of the 8,000 mutual funds that are available in the United States. You can put it in a non-interest-bearing account. That would be stupid. But you can invest it in anything you want. Um, last year, my investment uh, man, he's a certified financial planner, he got me 23.11% return on my money. So if I had 100000 now I have 123000 awesome. So you want to have a certified financial planner who can do it for you. So let me ask you, now, the solo 401k, is that different from a SEP? 
Oh, why are you saying SEPA IRA? That's what we got rid of those. A SEPA and IRA, number one, is not 100% protected from lawsuits, creditors, or bankruptcy. The 401k is 100% protected from lawsuits, creditors, and bankruptcy. You can put more money into a 401k and you can borrow from it. None of those apply to a SEP or an IRA. So that's why Congress changed the law in 2001. So nobody who's self-employed would ever have an IRA or a SEP. You only want to have a solo 401k. Linda, I could sit here and talk to you all day long. There's so much information. Realtors, if you're out there and you're listening and you haven't taken Linda's class, it's a CE class here at GCAR, please, please go online and uh, check for the next class that she's having. You get her for an hour to, how many hours is my friend? Oh, it's an hour and a half. You get her for an hour and a half and ask questions and get all this <laughs> kinds of information. It's, fun. <laughs> it's a fun class. I've had a fun time doing this interview. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for listening to Real Talk with GCAR. As always, we hope you found this podcast as another resource from your Greater Capital Area Association of Realtors keeps you informed, educated, and motivated. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear us cover, or even if you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, please send us an email to communications at gcar.com. And remember, the Real Talk with GCAR podcast can be heard 24 hours a day, seven days a week on your favorite device right from our website at gcar.com. And make sure you subscribe to our GCAR YouTube channel, like us on Facebook at gcar 2 and on Twitter at GCarnell. Thank you for listening.